Welcome to the Amplifying Optimism in Education podcast, where we connect with educators from across the globe who are creating a better future for learning and educating now by implementing bold ideas and fostering a sense of curiosity, creativity, and possibility. Alrighty, welcome to the uh, Amplifying Optimism in Education podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Carson, here with my co-host, Joshua Faden. And uh, hi, Josh. And today we have, hello. Today we have a very, uh, let's see, I'm going to go ahead and use some really nice adjectives to describe our guest. Uh, Exuberant, fun, uh, talented, and resilient woman here who is going to speak on uh, education from the perspective of a revolution. Uh, Dana Thomas is the uh, founder of the Happy Teacher Revolution, which is an international movement uh, supporting teachers and trauma-informed education in schools. Uh, Dana is the real deal in that she has pushed past all the statistics on staying in schools, teaching in inner cities, and taught, I think, for seven or more years, and is now leading this movement and this revolution. So welcome, uh, Dana. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here and to connect with you both. <laughs> yes, we've had so much fun uh, getting to know you. It was almost hard to start the podcast because we could just laugh <laughs> for an hour, <laughs> which maybe we should just do that. <laughs> so Dan, laughter seems uh, good tell now, us, yeah. you know, <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, laughter seems good nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, Dana, tell us how what you've been up to lately and what's been uh, keeping you moving through all of this. Yeah, I have been so grateful for the community of educators who are rallying together. I think it has been such an obviously unprecedented, unprecedented time of change and anxiety and overwhelm. But unfortunately, for educators, we are accustomed to feelings of anxiety and overwhelm and stress. Uh, There was never a praxis question to prepare educators for global (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) There was never a praxis question to support educators in cultural competencies and working with their students in the midst of overt racism and systemic injustice and trauma and violence in our communities. Uh, Happy Teacher Revolution, while we are a bright and fun and positive organization, Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, it was born and created from a place of darkness and pain and desperation. I was in my fourth year teaching in Southeast Baltimore, and I had 39 kindergartners in my classroom. 26 of them were beginning language learners, and we didn't have heating, we didn't have air conditioning, and we're in this derelict building where it seems that folks don't realize that a teacher's working conditions are a child's learning conditions. Mm -hmm. And the class size was just outrageous. I felt like I couldn't adequately support the students in my classrooms. I wasn't feeling supported by my administration. Uh, And I looked to my left, I looked to my right, my my fellow educators, I thought, well, at least we have each other. And that's a great place to start. And so that kind of mindset that was in 2014, 2015, during uh, the uprisings with Freddie Gray um, and grappling with, you know, their, <laughs> the, just being reprimanded during the polar vortex when I allowed my, my students to wear their jackets in the classroom and was written up for violating uniform policy. So there just seems to be so many disconnects. And unfortunately, in 
where this where we are right now i believe a revolution is more timely now than ever a revolution doesn't happen just once that this is an act and of uprising and disruption against a system that's perpetuating uh, injustice for teachers and for kids. That's really a powerful statement, a powerful um, ideology that's driving you. And so can you talk a little bit about that revolution itself? Yeah, so we were inspired by the consciousness raising groups of the civil rights movement, the women's liberation movement, this idea of just raising awareness of self-care as professional development, that from my own experience in teaching that I realized that I wasn't the best version of Miss Thomas if I wasn't taking care of Dana. And so I wanted to also reduce the stigma of mental illness. I'm someone who represents the one in four Americans who's grappled with mental illness. I'm someone who represents the one in five college students who's contemplated suicide. I'm someone who represents the statistic that the onset of mental illness most frequently occurs between the ages of 17 and 24. And so I wanted this to almost be like a gateway opportunity of, of gathering together in community for folks to talk about different wellness strategies that they use. And hopefully one of them is seeking support and, and uh, around their mental health and for that to be maybe an inspiration for folks to speak up and speak out and feel less alone. I think there's still such a stigma and shame and secrecy surrounding mental illness in certain communities and cultures and professions and genders. Um, and that is really where we are grounded in is, is gathering together in community. So we started these circles of teachers gathering in my classroom and other people's classrooms in the basement of Church on the Square in Canton and Hopkins Homewood Campus, like anywhere I could find. And then Education Week found out about Happy Teacher Revolution. I said, hey, this is really cool. Can we come to your school and take some photos? And we were holding a Happy Teacher meeting in our teacher's lounge that we had renovated and created into a wellness space. And once that article went live for Education Week, we went viral. I started hearing from people all over the country, all the world saying, hey, our teachers are stressed out in my school too. How do we start one of these meetings? And I was teaching full time at the time um, in a special ed inclusion classroom in West Baltimore. And so on nights and weekends, I would uh, work on the curriculum and train teachers online, or we call them revolutionaries. These are the individuals who initiate and lead and launch Happy Teacher Revolution. We train revolutionaries online to initiate these, these meetings in their own communities. And so now we've grown to over 30 states in the US. We're global, we have sites in West Africa and Canada, and we're growing in <laughs> Australia as well. So it's been really cool too to see some of these pilot sites and pilot school districts and, and principals and administrators who have uh, a number of revolutionaries in their, in their communities and how it's not only been able to support student social emotional learning, but teacher retention, teacher sustainability, um, it's affected school climate and culture has improved as a result of Happy Teacher Revolution in some of our sites. And also it's just a way to support our grown-ups because an escalated grown-up cannot de-escalate a child. And so that is something um, that we really believe in is, is that happy teachers equals happy kids. And by teachers, we mean anyone who's in a relationship intensive caregiver type capacity with that of a child. Mm -hmm. So we have folks in our spaces who are school nurses and secretaries and the lunch ladies and the bus drivers and the wellness champions and new teachers and veteran teachers just all coming together. So it's been a, a really amazing. I, I pinch myself every day that I get to wake up and be a full-time advocate for teacher mental health. Yeah, I, and I think that's really, um, 
I think one of the things that's so special about your work, Dana, and this initiative of Happy Teacher Revolution is how how just genuine and honest it is, you know, and how focused you are on specifically this, uh, you know, call it grassroots, call it community-driven um, revolution approach to, um, you know, just reaching those who need help the most mm. and who are, you know, uh, empowering them, the teachers in the classroom, the people in the school, um, just, you know, not in spite of the system, but just to find a way to start making it better now, you know, mm -hmm. in the moment. And, um, and I know you, I think you said uh, seven, seven years you taught in Baltimore? Seven schools, years. Uh -huh. city schools? Mm -hmm. Seven years, which is, you know, I made it in DC public schools one year. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, statistically, Josh and I, I, I don't know if it was on an episode or we were just chatting about how, you know, it's really a few years that a lot of teachers stay in a school system in a city. Um, where, you know, so much of this injustice is happening and what we're seeing now in the world. Um, and just, I'm just curious to hear a little bit, Dana, about, um, you know, kind of your growth over those seven years that really has fed into um, what you're bringing back to uh, teachers in terms of, you know, maybe some of your experiences or some of the experiences of your colleagues that, um, you know, I'm just really thinking about all the teachers out there who, even if they're not teaching in a city, are feeling, um, you know, different emotions that they might not realize are ones that they can change. So I'm just kind of curious if you could highlight some examples of your growth and, and those around you that you see. So people really get a sense of like, oh, wow, maybe I could be, a, maybe I need to be a part of this revolution too. It would help me and my school. Yeah. So that's the thing is that uh, it's interesting to think about trauma specifically, because that's not necessarily like related to urban teaching environments. Um, that, you know, trauma in a child's life can be defined as any number of things, whether it's losing a pet or losing a parent, moving neighborhoods, moving countries, experiencing a natural disaster, surviving a global pandemic, witnessing an act of gun violence or police brutality, like all of these are instances of trauma. And, uh, you know, we have sites who've reached out to us um, that I think what we're seeing now is what we call vicarious trauma or secondhand trauma. So what that means is individuals who work with uh, folks who've experienced trauma firsthand are experiencing ongoing trauma, maybe at home, um, whether it's like domestic abuse, any number of things. Um, the, the individuals in a caregiver capacity can take on the effects of this trauma as if they had experienced it firsthand without even witnessing it. So for example, rates of PTSD as a result of gun violence in cities like Detroit, Atlanta, Baltimore, um, rates of PTSD as a result of gun violence are actually higher than that of our soldiers coming home from overseas. So my students in Baltimore may have witnessed acts of gun violence. I, I have never, but there's individuals in a community or their parents or stakeholders. And so um, that's just one instance of how trauma can affect a community. And so how do we create opportunities for our educators to name and hold space for one another around discussing these things, but also just in terms of the trauma of uh, addiction. So one of our sites is in rural Tennessee. They have uh, really had a challenging time grappling with the opioid addiction um, in rural Tennessee for over the past six years. And so now the, in early childhood, when kiddos are coming into kindergarten to school for the first time at five and six years old, there's uh, behaviors that are being exhibited and different things that the 
educators of those classrooms were like, hey, we weren't prepared in our teacher prep programs to, you know, grapple with these types of things. So I think what has been really powerful is the, like, there's data in terms of, like I mentioned before, of, you know, our teachers feeling self-reported feelings of, like, increased support and um, feeling that, that social support networks are alleviating burnout. But, like, the most powerful stories and testimonials are from the spouse of a teacher coming up to me and saying, I feel like I have my wife back. It's a different person who walks through the door at the end of the day. Or hearing from teachers saying that my daughter came to a Happy Teacher Revolution meeting and it was a safe space for her. And it was because of that space that she shared for the first time that she had experienced domestic abuse with her, her boyfriend and that it was her talking about it and at, at Happy Teacher Revolution to then make the next step to um, you know, file the restraining order and, and, and speak up and advocate for herself. So it's like, it's crazy, the ripple effect. And, and I haven't even talked about the teachers yet. Like I talked about a spouse. I talked about the child of a teacher, the teachers <laughs> themselves say like, oh my gosh, I packed up my classroom a week earlier than I would have. Otherwise I'm able to time manage and prioritize the things that really matter. Or, oh my gosh, one of my colleagues commented about how pleasant and smiley I've been seeing seeming recently in the hallway when I walk with my kiddos or, oh my gosh, my doctor said that my blood pressure is down and that, you know, like, so there's actual, like those, those types of stories have been the coolest part of all of this um, that wow. I just thought came up with this idea one day in a kindergarten classroom in Baltimore and was like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this and rolling with it and, and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's, you followed the right instinct, I think, there, because, I mean, it's really taking off. And, you know, I think one of the things is that even just sustained stress over a period of time can be defined as trauma. You know, there's uh, all the research is there for that. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that what you're seeing is so important and that with, when it comes to trauma, it's, it's, it's kind of hard for people to even understand, I think, that they can, you know, live a life without it. And you really don't experience that until you, until you release it. And it's, and it's not that it disappears, everything, everything about it disappears. It's that the emotional piece of that trauma kind of starts to go away and make space, you know? And I think it's just um, a powerful frame that you're integrating in a lot of new ways in the revolution is that, you know, actually, let's just talk about what it is, which is trauma. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other, the other piece that really jumps out at me is this idea of what we're used to, like, where's our baseline stress level? And so many teachers, you know, I just feel like they don't even know what a baseline that isn't on high alert all the time because it's constantly making decisions right. and being flexible and managing and it's like customer service with the parents and now with the technology and administration everything's just flipped on its head mm. um teachers are just expected to adjust within a 24-hour period and you know <laughs> here we go like <laughs> yeah. no questions asked right like make it work <laughs> so right. um i just think about you know what what is the baseline? What is the new norm? One of the teachers that I connected with through Happy Teacher Revolution said, I tested positive for COVID-19. I had COVID and I taught while having coronavirus. While they put a sign outside of my window, best teacher ever. Where does the line get drawn? Where does this stop? Where is this boundary? 
teachers aren't renewable resources, we're human beings. And, you know, that has been something that just hearing stories, like I realized like I can't do enough listening. And that's been huge for me. It's just, and, and through our work with Johns Hopkins Social Innovation Lab, we've really launched into the human-centered design process, which is uh, using empathy interviews and data collection to put our, our users, our participants, the folks who are utilizing Happy Teacher Revolution, as experts in their own experiences. Because there's so many people making decisions right now on behalf of students and their teachers, folks in positions of power and authority who aren't taking into account the perspectives of students and teachers and making these decisions. So um, I just, I, I really am grateful for, for the piece that you mentioned about the, the sustained stress and, and the trauma of that. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of power to exactly what you're saying in terms of listening more than we talk has been a common theme, I think, when we're hearing from teachers is that they don't have that space necessarily. And the ironic thing is that that is the space that we are called as teachers to provide for our students, you know? And so I think that there's an interesting connection there between what you're doing, which is essentially what we all should be doing for our students that we don't necessarily as teachers have. And it's interesting that we're expected to model it when we ourselves might not have gone through it. So I'm curious mm -hmm. if you could discuss some of that, of what you're noticing when, you, when teachers maybe do realize that meta level of what's actually happening. Yeah, it's so interesting to me, the disconnect that can happen before they like reach that amount. So that like, and it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like if your basic needs aren't getting met, if you don't feel a sense of belonging, if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel good, that self-esteem, like you're not going to reach those higher levels of like, oh, like the self-actualization piece, right? So teachers right. in our serve, in our, in our data collection process, it's so fascinating. Our, one of our questions is, how would you define a happy teacher? happy teacher. What are qualities of a happy teacher? They answer something along the lines of, you know, someone who has a work-life balance or is able to disconnect from work, someone who's rest, you know, sleeps seven to eight hours, someone who's drinking water, you know, someone who exercises, whatever. And, uh, and then the next question is, you know, what are some of your self-care strategies? Walk us through a day of, you know, take us through a day of when you implement self-care, what that looks like. I don't implement any self-care strategies. I really struggle getting enough sleep at night. And, and then it's like, okay, so like you see, like, you know, so that is a huge piece for us that I realized that I had to take a step back was that I was training these people to launch these meetings without even offering them the opportunity for self-assessment, self-awareness to build their own self-care before they start launching these spaces for other people. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, 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 hold the phone. And I think that that sort of like disconnect is that te people want to launch and train the trainer. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on. Like, are you taking care of yourself? Like, let's make sure that you have a self-care action plan because all of these things like happy teacher revolution to me is what I wish would have been there for pre-service teachers, for new teachers in their first five years, for veteran teachers to offer their wisdom and mentorship to the new folks coming mm -hmm. in because they're being incredibly underutilized and undersupported. And so you know, yeah. it's so crazy to me, the disconnect and, and just even the disconnect of, like you're saying, like we're, we hold space for our students this way, but when do we get to have the opportunity to connect with our colleagues, right? With, with one another. <laughs> so it's really fascinating to me and, and almost like funny. It makes, it, it cracks me up. I'm like, what? Maslow's hierarchy applies to us too. Like it, it, we're, we're humans. <laughs> the kids are humans. We're all humans. <laughs> yeah. 
I, uh, I love that, Dan. And I love the highlighting on teacher mentorship and teacher self-care and holding space for that. Because I think, you know, every school will tell you, oh, we have a teacher mentoring program. Oh, we have, you know, we have a space for teachers. You know, you know just giving, giving a, a, a veteran teacher, giving a new teacher some tips of the trade is not mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's helpful. But it seems like uh, in your definition of teacher mentorship and teacher support and self-care, which I really agree with, like, it seems like there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because I almost, you know, happy teacher revolution, we're not therapy. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> right. My only expertise is my experience. It's not an advice giving, like I'm not offering any type, it's not meant to substitute for therapy and make sure my lawyers are hearing this if they're listening, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I'm not a therapist. And we're not AA because you are allowed to drink afterwards. But like, it's funny to think about sort of in a 12-step program, for example, there's a sponsor and, you know, there's this relationship that's cultivated, somebody that like you check in with, you know, you send a text in the morning, like, hey, I'm proud of you or grateful for you or whatever it is, or some, a wellness accountability partner, somebody who, you know, Miss Johnson, first grade teacher across the hallway from me, she was retiring my, the year that it was my second year in the classroom. And when I would go to her and she would check in on me, it would be for things like resources and things like that. But also, you know, she would say, wear comfortable shoes. When you have a chance to sit down, do it. You know, like if you can get orthotics and your, you know, those types of things. So yes, I was someone in my like early twenties with orthotics in my shoes, but oh my gosh, like they saved me. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I just, I would love the opportunity that, I mean, we know that that teacher mentorship is one of the biggest influences in terms yeah, of supporting yeah. our new teachers. And also yeah. that the best professional development is that from other teachers, from other people mm -hmm. who are in it and who get it. So that is ultimately in terms of my vision for Happy Teacher Revolution is offering an opportunity yeah. for, for folks to be consultants, edupreneurs, so to speak, mm -hmm. to help foster and train more individuals to hold these spaces and for them to be compensated adequately. There's teachers who are on the cover of Time Magazine for selling their blood plasma because they're not earning a living wage. So they're taking on all these side hustles, but most of those are in the service in industry and post COVID, yeah. that opportunity isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so our teachers are craving an opportunity not only to help support themselves, but to support each other. And so for me, that that is the biggest thing is addressing the top two things. It's the lack of pay for teachers and feelings of burnout and stress. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I loved, I love that idea of, you know, providing teachers with, with entrepreneurial opportunities that would, you know, I know that, you know, as long as I'm taking care of myself, if I help other people in that way, in terms of supporting them, I feel better too. And then to allow that up as an opportunity for, you know, for income to pay for your own self-care, you know, it's kind of like yep. this, you know, even in my work as a coach, the more coaching I get for myself, the more, the better I am as a coach for my clients. Real, like I see it, it's like night and day. I'm like, how did I ever coach before that? You know? Mm -hmm. So I, I just love that uh, you're creating a sustainable, um, you know, solution for folks that are, that are kind of interested in that. And, and it allows them to stay in the classroom. Right, exactly. And that is, that is the biggest end game for me is that, you know, how do we keep great teachers in the classroom? Because in order to climb the professional yeah. career ladder, it means not working with kids anymore. It's going to the higher like district positions and things like that. And so like, ultimately yeah. the biggest thing is keeping great teachers who want to keep working with kids 
working with kids and who do a great job doing that, but also provide them with an opportunity to be leaders and that entrepreneurial piece. Because I realized as someone who transitioned from early childhood kindergarten teacher, Miss Thomas, into boss, leader of a global revolution, like, oh my gosh, there was a shift for me. And, And not only in terms of you know, <laughs> trying to find those feelings of esteem and like my ideas were worth sharing and my voice was worth mm-hmm. hearing and that this was something mm-hmm. worth pursuing. But there's so many teachers who are entrepreneurial and they don't even realize it. Like they just yeah. don't have the confidence, but they're entrepreneurs every single day and the stuff mm-hmm. that they're creating and inventing coming up with, but it's like, oh my gosh, y'all don't even know it. And so <laughs> that's a piece for me too, specifically as a female entrepreneur is helping support more women and, and women educators in knowing that their ideas have value and worth and monetizing it in a way where they know that they can lean in and they deserve this. Um, because I think with a revolution, like this is brand new and, and folks who are a part of this, like they have to have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit to launch into something that is unlike any other type of PD that they've been a part of or it's in their school. And so that's what's been really exciting. It's just connecting with folks who are, who are willing to make the risk and make the leap. I think that that's an amazing vision and a really important part of understanding the value, like you said, because I think it's not necessarily just monetarily that mm-hmm. teachers feel undervalued. Like you said, it is, the whole big picture. So yes, I mean, when a teacher's in front of a class and they have 30 eyes on them and what they're in the middle of doing that they spent hours planning isn't going well, they have to be able to adapt and adjust and rethink and reorganize and be able to be critical thinkers and be able to be critical of themselves mm-hmm. to be able to make the change that needs to happen in that moment. And those are all things that serve society, right? Like, as you mm-hmm. said, we, teachers were in many instances were given 24 hours when COVID hit to move from in class to online and no other industry was able to adjust that quickly, that broadly for that many people. You're talking millions and millions of students who the next day in some instances were allowed to have c- continued education. And I think that you're right in that you know, in that moment, though, how do we help those teachers, right? So that they feel like what you just did is truly remarkable. And you are remarkable. And the service that you're providing in this moment and the talent that you're offering to your children is invaluable. So I think I'm curious as to, you know, obviously, during what we're going through right now as a global pandemic, but just as we move out of this, what do you envision is that role that we can really have that teacher see their impact both now and and obviously always but then in the future as well yeah i think i mean wow thank you so much for for sharing that and offering i i think that what we found with happy teacher revolution is how rare there are for opportunities for us to feel appreciated and supported for that to be named and even said Um, and you know and 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 for for to be supported in the really tough times of self-care. Self-care isn't just like bubble baths and manicures or whatever. It's actually like setting boundaries and saying no and not doing all of the committees and all of the after school and taking on all the extra, right? And so there isn't mm-hmm. really a space where you get a pat on the back for for saying no and or for, you know, turning off your work email over the weekend or whatever the case may be. And so that's really and the, here's the thing is like it really starts with ourselves, right? Like 
giving mm-hmm. ourselves permission to claim happiness as our own. That's something that we say. It's like, I give myself permission, like a permission slip we offer our students for field trips, like where's our permission slip that what, right. you know, that, that we are worth it, we are enough, um, we're doing the best we can. And, and that's what's been really cool is these Happy Teach Revolution meetings. We've been able, you know, to trans- transition our meetings online and to have a, a space where teachers from Alabama are giving shout outs to our teachers in Baltimore, on our teachers in Texas, you know, just saying like, I'm proud of you. Sometimes folks just come into these these meetings and are just in tears the whole time and aren't even able to offer a offer a share but like just knowing that they're not alone that we're here you know with sending the chat messages those types of things and so like it very much is grassroots in terms of the cultivating these relationships and relationship building and finding um, that community that that where you can feel that esteem because Unfortunately, there's teachers who are in buildings where they don't feel a sense of belonging or they might not get along with their team or, you know, they might feel really isolated or there's educators who are the only black teacher in their community and they're not feeling welcome. They're feeling discriminated against Um, or, you know, their their students are, you know, there's just so many layers and and added demands. We know that burnout is higher for our special educators. We know that rates of burnout are higher for our black teachers. There's only 2% of teachers who are black men of color oftentimes are given disproportionate amount of workload and not necessarily the same opportunities to climb the professional ladder. And so, you know, there's just so, so many things that are weighing on teachers, right? The workload's piling up there. We have one plate and it's like all getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so mm-hmm. happy teacher revolution is both about like what's gonna what's a practice that's helpful like for Monday morning and while simultaneously a helpful practice for implementing systemic change long term. Yeah. I like that. And I think there's something about that, Dana, that's 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 so in line with mindfulness. And um, you know, I think one of the things when the plate gets really high, people go into hyperdrive. And they start trying to create all these structures and systems and do things to, um, you know, to alleviate that. And then they, and then, and then you just miss what's even possible in the moment. And actually, at least I find this and and teachers I work with, with that more mindful approach of like, what's going to work on Monday? And that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to, that's the focus, not like next week or later in the week. A lot of the things people think they need to do end up not really even needing to be done, right? There's that when you're in that stress trauma state, you only see more problems, <laughs> you know? And so that, that sort of um, encouragement that you give through the support groups of let's just focus on the now, you know, it's very, yeah. very, like you said, it's not AA, but it's very much a, a process that is involves a lot of trust and reframing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, that's like just not, that's not a little thing that you encourage. I think that's really a big, um, it's really a big deal to really encourage teachers to be present and to thank solve you. for the now. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for that. Cause it's, it is something like teachers are planners, right? We like backwards plan, forwards plan, action plan, lesson plan, 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 plan. So it's just like, <laughs> you know, like let's sit right here right now. And the other thing too uh, in our meetings was just not having our phones. Like how many authentic human interactions Mm -hmm. where you're in person where, you know, where everyone has their phone away and we're actually looking and listening and like feeling heard also. And so, um, you know, I, that's been, that's been huge. And, and one of our pilot sites, our very first site that just launched in Minneapolis actually, 
um, mm. our revolutionary that uh, founded our Minneapolis site, she launches two happy, she launched two happy teacher revolution meetings every week. So she holds her meetings wow. Monday morning and Friday afternoon. And I was like, huh, wow. that's interesting. Talk to me more about that. She, she really said that her staff preferred this sort of bookending to have Monday and set the attention of, okay, this is the week or this is where I'm at. And Friday is like almost just like wraps it up so that they're disconnecting and have the weekend. So it's just been really interesting to hear how different sites have utilized Happy Teacher Revolution. Some folks have done them with their teams. Some folks are aligning them with like book clubs and other educational texts, um, different affinity, affinity groups utilizing Happy Teacher Revolution. So it's been interesting how this, it, like you said, like it's simple, like it's not like this complicated thing. It's okay, here's a simple tool, yeah. simple. And teachers wanna make it complicated. They come to me, they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, what you? And I'm just like, <laughs> listen, like here's the, here's the, you know, like, and, and at the same time, it's like, I want them to put their stamp on it too, you know? I. I'm, my dream is to travel the country and visit all of our Happy Teacher Revolution sites and sit in these circles and, and go and attend meetings that have been held. And it has been amazing, the ones that I've already been to in Nashville, Tennessee, and Montgomery, Alabama, and Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, because wow. everyone is a little bit different. Um, but it's, it's, there's levels that, or ingredients that are familiar. So that's what's been really cool. That's really amazing. I'm curious, can we kind of get a little sneak peek inside of those meetings? Like, what are you noticing in Alabama and Pennsylvania and Tennessee? Yeah. So the meetings in the South, everyone has an accent. That's the first thing I know. <laughs> I know. When we read all the documents, I'm like, oh, that's funny with the draw. <laughs> no, but um, but it, it's been so, so, okay. So for example, every Happy Teach Revolution meeting starts with a moment of mindfulness. So that has been interesting just in how folks approach mindfulness. So some of our facilitators will do like, um, they'll, they'll do more uh, mindful opportunities that can be mimicked in the classroom. For example, um, I have a student or a teacher who does this five second breath where she inhales up the finger and exhales down. Um, so she'll do that and model that with participants in our happy teacher meeting. For folks to do in their classrooms. Um, some folks have had uh, like very formal guided meditations of someone coming in um, to lead and some folks just set a timer on their phone. So that's just an example of like a variance of, you know, incorporating mindfulness into the space. But we read uh, the 12 choices, which is adapted from an article on Vicki Davis's 12 choices to step back from burnout. So these are things like I choose to disconnect and detach with love. I choose the battles we're fighting. I choose to get outside and get moving, those types of things. Um, and so then folks will have an open chair or have a guest speaker come, or maybe they'll incorporate like movement or a Zumba class. Uh, so it's been really interesting to see, oh, gosh, one of our sites in Pennsylvania had a book signing after of an author who wrote two uh, meditation books um, for moms and uh and so that, I mean, it's just, it's been so, oh my gosh, and our site in uh, Bend, Oregon did an entire, they had a happy teacher passbook with, um, or passport where it was a little book that they partnered with a bunch of wellness organizations in Bend, Oregon. So teachers would get a discount at like for kombucha or at the brewery for yoga clothes. And that it was something that like PTOs got for their teachers and, and teachers gave as gifts to other teachers. But I mean, I'm, I showed up to Oregon. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is so cool. So, I, I mean, it's just, it. it really is phenomenal what some folks have really, really done and like taken off with Happy Teacher Revolution. 
Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love it. I can hear those meetings in the South in my mind. As you're, <laughs> I'll, save the, I'll save the impression. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'm curious, Dana, as someone who really is on the ground, as someone who, like yourself, is uh, really connecting with the frontline workers in education um, around the country and the world, you know, what are your thoughts on systemic change in the education system? What do you think um, needs to uh, shift in terms of either policy or systems or just sort of overall structures in education, um, you know, in certain areas or in the country or the world, you know, what do you, what do you see kind of needing to happen there? First of all, longer maternity leave. Well, that's just one that jumps <laughs> out to me. Um, yes. but, but seriously, I, I mean, like, it's just, yeah. You know, I, that's that's a huge one. More planning time. Yeah. I mean, we see that that uh, countries with some of the most successful um, education systems have teachers who are actually spending just as much time with their colleagues as they are with students, if not more. Right, doing like the planning mm -hmm. and collaborating, connecting. Like, we don't have a chance to get together as staff, and that's the thing with Happy Teacher Revolution that we want to yeah. identify too is that. You know, our, our most successful sites are when Happy Teacher Revolutions incorporated into the contractual workday or hours. So as part of yeah. professional development and, and things like that, because we might gather together at back to school, uh, but we don't really get to connect with with the other educators. For example, like I taught kindergarten in a school building that was pre-K through eighth grade. And I never really got to connect with the middle school teachers, even though we were working with the same families and calling the same moms and had siblings, you know, the siblings right. and whatever. So I really think that that would be huge um, systemically is having the opportunity for, for teachers mm -hmm. um, to, in terms of professional development and not as an extra thing that they have to do, but like is part of what it means to be an mm -hmm. educator is, is getting along and fostering our own social emotional learning, right? Relationship skills, <laughs> self-awareness, that kind of stuff. Because SEL is so important. We see that employers now, like that's the biggest thing that they're looking for um, when they're hiring. And so mm -hmm. uh, we also know that the SEL competencies of our teachers, our pre-service teachers are lower than that of SEL competencies, SEL competencies of their professional counterparts. Mm -hmm. So, and that's work coming mm -hmm. out of the University of British Columbia. So like our teachers aren't even going into it with their SEL feeling supported enough, let alone facilitating the opportunity right. to, to teach and support SEL skills for kiddos. So that would be huge. The SEL piece, I think um, the cultural consciousness is huge. Having conversations about race and gender um, and inequality because, you know, teach education has been the system that's perpetuated these things, right? So it's like, that's another thing. We need to start... We need to re-interview everybody in positions of power because if y'all are in these positions and are, aren't speaking up right. and speaking out, then get out. GTFO. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. swear on your podcast, yeah. but like, that's how I right. feel. You know what I mean? So, okay. um, you know, so, like, so, so that to me, and also, you know, obviously an increase in pay uh, for our teachers, the fact that they have all these student loans and they have to recertify. It's like, I get calls from teachers in their 16 plus years and they're saying, why am I still crying? at work? Why am I still brought right. to tears? Why is this job getting harder than it is getting easier? Um, and yeah. so I think that's, that's a huge piece too. And la the last thing I'll say is in terms of um, systemic change is really evaluating and changing our pre-service um, support and training of teachers. You know, there needs to be much more support in terms of like trauma-informed practices and helping our teachers develop and identify their own self-care action plans and how they're going to take care of themselves 
before they even set foot into the classroom because we're losing 50% of our teachers in, in the first five years. So that's getting really, really expensive. So that, okay, finally, finally, last thing. Reinvesting some yeah. of the money that we spend in the, in the constant training and recruitment of new teachers into wellness professional development programs. It doesn't have to be Happy Teacher Revolution, but just we need to start pouring money into wellness PD, wellness support for our teachers. I mean, Google's investing in their employees' yeah. wellness. And Google seems like they have pretty, you know, they're pretty right. successful. So you know, they, they sort of figured it out, right? And like they, what, they, what they found is that their employees take less sick days. They're more likely to come back the next year. They're happier. Like everybody wants a happy teacher, right? I, I don't want to be learning from a miserable teacher. I don't want to work with a miserable right. teacher. I don't want to sit across the table at PD from a miserable teacher, right. you know? So just, I think that's, that's the biggest thing right. is prioritizing our teacher's happiness. I love it. That's so powerful what yeah. you're saying. I love your energy. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure like it's bouncing into the people's homes right now. And so that's so exciting <laughs> because I think, I think what you're saying too is so powerful in terms of the teachers themselves. We are lifelong learners just by the nature of who we are. And yet we're not given that opportunity often until we're out of the classroom. Yep. And if we were given that opportunity in the classroom, it's incredible what might happen as you're saying and as you're seeing already and I think you know what I love about this this global revolution that you're creating is that like you said a teacher in Alabama can feel like they don't belong in the school and yet connect with the teacher in New York who helps them to stay in the classroom because of the energy and ideas yep. they're sharing or you know I know like you said you're, you're international you're in Canada you're in West Africa you're all mm -hmm. over and so hearing the 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 challenges and the solutions that are happening across the globe. I mean, I'm, I would love to just hear your insights on that because I can only imagine at this point what, what those look like. So I, I would love to hear what, what you're actually seeing from that yeah. standpoint. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, and so what's been really interesting is just learning more about the demands that different educators face in different contexts and communities. And that's the other thing too about our Happy Teacher Revolution approach is that like, Dana, myself, I'm not an expert of the community and school culture in Dakar, Senegal. Like, I'm going to offer this, like, framework, but, like, I want you to adapt it for whatever y'all need and whatever fits best. And right. so, and for that particular example, um, at Dakar International School is one of our pilot sites, uh, that they are an international school and, and actually one of the top performing international schools in all of Africa but that in the international school contract with educators, they max out at five years. So like the schools don't even necessarily, like they're, they're trying to get new folks in and have other, and just diversifying the, the group of teachers. But oftentimes these teachers are away from home. Um, they're just getting used to a new city before they move to the next one. And so like those types of stresses and demands were things that I hadn't necessarily considered, but could still help teachers in Baltimore who might be away from home too, right? Like, oh my gosh, even consider like that added demand. We have our sites that are, our folks I've connected with um, who have attended Happy Teacher Revolution meetings who teach at the most expensive private schools in, you know, in California, in LA, where tuition is outrageous. They're teaching like celebrities, kids, that kind of thing. Um, and they said, listen, there's not helicopter parents anymore. They're bulldozer parents. They're snowplow parents. 
there's parents that are bringing their attorneys to the parent-teacher conferences as they comb through the teacher's grade book uh, because their child, you know, these celebrities with the scandals cheating on the SATs, you know, it's like, that's a stress. Oh my gosh. And I even consider, but yes, that is a stress on our educators. And so it's just really interesting to me, the different demands facing teachers all over the world are, are folks. um, I had a chance to facilitate my first happy teacher revolution meeting in Mandarin at the Hopkins campus with a number of school leaders um, that were coming from Shanghai and and other areas. And their biggest stress was class size. Mm -hmm. You know, they said everyone's allowed to have two kids now and class sizes are outrageous. And they, they visited a number of Baltimore city schools and their biggest thing that they commented on was how well behaved all the students were in all the Baltimore city classrooms that they visited. Um, And so, you know, I'm just imagining like this, like, oh my God, what, what would the class sizes be? I can't even, I'm, when I had 39 <laughs> kindergartners, I can't even imagine. And so they said, oh, 39 is that small. You know, it's, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's, that's wow. been really fascinating. And finally, um, you know, we have been expanding in Italy as well. There's uh, actually a, um, an educator there who, who works with teachers and, and it's been so fascinating to learn about different, um, just sort of like the, the trust and rapport that is so important in, in that particular, um, in that particular region, or at least with the Italian educators, is that, you know, I, I, I wanted to have an opportunity for teachers to be consultants, right, to be mm-hmm. compensated for this work. But in, in this particular context, um, my colleague was saying, well, you know, they might be distrusting if it was a, mm-hmm. a colleague who was getting paid, there might be more of a rapport building if they actually, in fact, weren't compensated, at least at first, mm-hmm. and that that would there, there would be more buy in there. And so it was just really interesting to to just listen and, and hear the perspectives and, and, but also knowing that like every teacher, no matter where they are in the world deserves to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, and I just hear kind of, you know, what you're saying, like I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like, what, what is a school? Like in terms of all of this as we're looking at the world and, or at least in our country and noticing pay needing to increase community aspects of a school and you know I think in its simplest form school is a community of learners and um, and uh, you know just like we need to look at hmm, maybe instead of funding the police at this level we need to fund community organizations instead I mean even within the school system it's like how much money is going towards these programs that are basically criminal justice within a school and how can that be uh, you know moved into teacher self-care to community initiatives within the school um, and so I think it's just really powerful that you're able to see so many of those different um, so many different opportunities around the world that um, you know might come up in Alabama or or in you know one of your other sites in the world that you know, if another school learns about it might actually just get them to realize what they can do. And I think there's so much power in the community of the revolution itself that you are leading. Yeah. Thank you so much for offering that. Yeah. I, um, and I'm thinking of the first, the first site that jumped out to me, was our, our site in Oregon for Salem Kaiser schools. And they connected with mm. happy teacher revolution because they saw a rise in student suicide and mental mm. illness. And, and because of that wanted to, uh, proactively support their their 
future teachers, their new teachers for their, mm-hmm. you know, and so I went, came out and supported um, all the mentors, but it's like the mentors needed it too. It was sort mm-hmm. of this equalizing. Um, like you're yeah. saying, what is a school? Like here's an opportunity for us to come together and to learn from one another. It's not like the concept of an empty vessel that we're filling in. Right. It's, no, we're right. actually learning and growing and in a, in a collective. Uh, so that has been really beautiful to see and, and just mm. to have all of these individuals who are visionary enough to, to look at their turnover data and retention numbers yeah. and the money that they're spending and saying like, oh my gosh, how can we better support the folks that we already have? Because then that'll, that'll, that'll be a great way to recruit individuals to yeah. your school sites, right? Like, wow, they take care of their teachers. They really yeah. prioritize yeah. their mental health, wellness, and sustainability. So um, it's been amazing to see all of these pilot sites, these seeds that have been planted and how they've supported one another. Our sites in Colorado offering strategies and yeah. solutions to our folks in Oregon and, and you know, Tennessee and, mm-hmm. and, and beyond. So. Wow. Yeah. I think that that's really, you know, like even just, um, uh, well, I just wanted to say real quick, even just the issue of suicide and a school to district realizing that, you know, suicidal ideation is not uncommon these days amongst kids. Like you mentioned in college campuses, mm-hmm. it's one in five. And mm-hmm. like, just to speak from my experience, one of the things I've done, I, I did like the, um, there are a lot of chat services out there where kids can get on and talk to someone about, you know, getting help about feeling suicide. So I was on the receiving end of those chats in an area that, you know, no school had any initiatives about suicide, but I'm talking anonymously to kids who, who um, parents don't know they're feeling suicidal, friends don't know they're feeling suicidal, teachers don't know they're feeling suicidal, and they're starting to scare themselves. And so they're coming to talk anonymously. And what works is what, what you know, in Oregon you're sharing, what works is that it's being named and that there's a social emotional programming around that. And, you know, I think just to speak to those who are really, uh, teach to the test type people in education, people who really are, are focused on content. Guys, if someone's thinking about suicide, they're not learning the content you're teaching. <laughs> so let's, you know, like we, you know, that pause is feeding the success academically of students as well. And I think we, I think we all know that so inherently, but I, I don't necessarily know that everyone's connected those dots. So I just think it's a, uh, yeah, <laughs> a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful things that you're, that you're these these golden nuggets of like oh my gosh these people in Oregon recognizing that and sharing that more broadly it, it changed the world I mean it's changing statistics mm-hmm. yeah and that pause that you're saying too because I think in education we're just go 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 fix 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 blah, 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 like in the next thing the next thing the next thing it's like hold on let's press pause because I I think that could be traumatic in itself. It's not even (laughs) taking a moment to identify and like name what's going wrong or not going right and taking them instead of just moving to the next thing. So thank you for sharing that. It's destigmatizing things that Mm. often we either don't talk about or brush under the rug until it's too late. And that's Mm -hmm. what perpetuates the systems of inequities that we've been talking about and seeing in this country. And, you know, the part of it, too, that I think is so powerful and that's really crucial in this moment is that it goes back to what you said from the very beginning of this podcast, that when you yourself were a teacher, you realize now, looking back, that if Dana had been taken care of, then maybe Ms. Thomas could have been better of service for her students and better able to um, provide what her students actually needed. I think that goes 
I, I, I'm thinking of myself as a teacher. I know Michael and I have had similar conversations. I'm sure teachers just listening to this would have that similar experience of bringing their full self to the classroom as a tool and as an, a mechanism of change in of itself is something that can't be understated as a, a, a revolutionary opportunity for our students. And so I think if you could just maybe talk about that again, because I think it's really an important part of how do we bring our full self to the classroom? So what does that look like as a happy teacher to bring your full self? Yeah. I realized, you know, I was, I was staying up late working on lesson plans on especially Sunday nights, right? Like I was laminating kind of things out, just all the things. And I, I was lesson planning. It wasn't meal planning. So I, it's not like I was like thinking about grocery store, whatever. So that meant I woke up the next morning, went and got two big sugary caffeinated coffee drinks to make it through the day. I definitely didn't drink enough water. I had the grad school that night, so I had to make sure I had got my student work samples for my artifact for my grad school assignment. But up oh, here comes in a kiddo on Monday morning. Who knows what happened that weekend? Who knows what happened that morning? But he comes in, his lid is already flipped. And guess what? So is mine because oh, I'm not going to get the lesson <laughs> samples if he doesn't follow exactly what I need. And, and then I think mm, I'm going to get observed. And oh right. my gosh, then there's the fire drill. And oh, I didn't eat lunch, but there was a birthday party. So I had a cupcake and then I drive and go to grad school, come home. I'm like binge eating because I haven't eaten all day long and rinse and repeat and do it again. And it was just like, wait a second, like that, yeah. no matter how, and even if my lesson plans were perfect, like no matter how like cross-curricular, differentiated, perfectly annotated they were, like if I wasn't getting a good night's rest, eating a real breakfast or like actually eating lunch on my lunch break, going to the bathroom when I need to go to the bathroom, like those types yeah. of basic things. Like I wasn't going to be able to implement that lesson. plan. doesn't matter what the lesson plan says. It's just, and in a trauma informed practice, you know, I, I think that really is what is so important is that self-care is an act of revolution. Self-care is an act of political warfare. Self-care is an opportunity to give us that space of patience to respond, um, to choose how we react when, a desk is thrown across the room or that bulletin board I work so hard on gets ripped down or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, okay. You know, and I realized like not to take it personally, like that child did not show up that day just to make my day, you know, to, for everything to go wrong. I'm here to, to be the best version of myself and respond the best way that I can. And I realized like that is what was important, not staying at work until 9 PM every night with the custodial staff, not going to work with the flu on, instead of taking a sick day and being felt like a hero, you know, it's like what was really important was the long game was taking care of myself because yeah. my student, that's what I want them to remember me by. Not as like the crazy <laughs> lady who's screaming and like had her pencil in her hair and whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so, uh, so I think that's just been really huge is empowering other teachers to realize that, that claiming their happiness and their self-care and prioritizing their wellness is, is, is reaping so many rewards for their students. Like this is yeah. a practice for kids. Yeah. Wow. I love the visual. I think that'd be a great Halloween costume. Crazy teacher. Uh, <laughs> Disheveled teacher. Yeah. yeah you might not Teachers in 2020 be like. One, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, like we've talked about a lot, Dana, it's, you know, teachers are on the front line of like the life of all the craziness, all of the dysfunction, all of the, um, and all the good stuff too, you know, and, and it's, um, 
and it's just such an important profession that I think I feel as though you are elevating and just by you being in the world I'm optimistic about education and just you being you in the world and so on that note you know I, I mean we could talk probably for three more hours um, but I wanted to just ask you and give you the opportunity as you Dana who is who is leading the revolution is there anything um, that you haven't had a chance to share is there any vision is there any um, you know nugget that you really want to make sure you get in that's that's come up for you uh, recently as we finish up our talk today I think something that's come up for me recently and uh, you know I haven't actually even like shared publicly or on a podcast or anything like that it's just this idea of the importance of teachers being themselves unabashedly and being authentic not in a way that's like unprofessional i'm not talking live streaming a bikini wax or whatever like you know anything like that like Brene brown's like that's not vulnerability she like literally outlined she's like here's an example of something that's not vulnerability but that's not what i mean what i mean is just you know like i think something that i've realized is like teachers and as a woman you know i have permission to use my body to dance and play and sing and laugh and I wear swimsuits in the summer and on the weekends you know I'll have a glass of wine with my girlfriends and I feel like what's come up for me recently is that teachers it's like we don't and with the pandemic too it just feels like we don't we we're not robots and right. um, we're people and I I think that's what has been really challenging is sort of like navigating you know this role of like as I come out and become more of myself as Dana and as and showing the world who I am and and on behalf of Happy Teacher Revolution and our you know over twenty four thousand followers on social media like yeah. it's it felt like this pressure that I have to sort of like navigate and um and that's that's what's been really hard is that like is 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 modeling to our community like you have permission to be yourself. Um, yeah. you know, w no matter what that means, um, in terms of how you identify or how you represent in the world, because like, that's what, that's where I'm feeling like, a little stifled just on a personal level is that I feel mm -hmm. like I don't have permission to be me as like the sex player who does yoga <laughs> and is learning roller skate and has a fish named Woodrow Gilson. Like, you know, it's like, that's who I am. And, and so that, that is my, my last my last piece to offer is just to encourage our educators to be themselves wholeheartedly because I believe it's when we start policing our children in their individuality that we are modeling how they can be policed for the rest of their lives. Um, and so that for me is 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 really important that our, our teachers start to come out of their shells a little bit and to speak up and to speak out for what they believe in. Yeah nurturing instead of policing yeah i mean that i is love that the essence of it all and i think uh you know we love the essence of you dana uh we love that idea of being able to bring our full selves michael and i actually have had that conversation around mm. you know how do we bring our full selves to these podcasts and to the work mm. that we're doing and not you know try to be anything other than who we are and be authentic mm -hmm. with our questions and our curiosities and our interviews and and, and share and amplify the voices of amazing people like yourself and others who are doing the work every day that brings optimism, that brings hope for the next generation. And so thank you for sharing that. And thank you for you know, being a part of that. And also, how do others get involved? Tell us, Dana, how do we Yay. become Happy Teacher Revolutionaries? Yay, join the revolution. Check out happyteacherrevolution.com. That's our website, uh -huh. Happy Teacher Revolution. Uh, follow us on Instagram yeah. and Facebook at Happy Teacher Revolution. 
it's too many characters for Twitter. So we are <laughs> at happy teacher HTR on Twitter. And uh, my email is Dana, my first name, D-A-N-N-A at happy teacher revolution.com. So I would love to, to connect for anybody who's interested. Thank you. Thank you so much. This and you also have wonderful. You, and you also have, well, I also want to point out you have great stuff out there too, a, a course on self-care and trauma-informed practices. So for teachers out there that have some bandwidth for self-care and learning, you don't have to get your school on board. You can start, you know, just by going to the website and checking that out too. Yep, absolutely. And a bunch of free resources also. So um, and yeah. tes testimonials and, and the voices and, and yeah. perspectives of folks who've been a part of this journey too. So thank you both yeah. so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Dana. Yay. <laughs>